Welcome everyone to the Hikes Peak Podcast. Thank you for coming back to the mountain. We made it. It's bittersweet, but the Mountain West season has concluded. Wyoming won a thriller in Tucson and UNLV lost a track meet to Kansas. We'll dive into the last two bowl games, hand out this week's Hikes Peak weekly MVP, and then we'll wrap some things up. Of course, I have your weekly transfer portal update, and we'll follow that with the season notes for UNLV and Wyoming. We'll end the show with a tribute to Craig Bowl, who's calling it a career after more than four decades on the gridiron, featuring all of the biggest moments of his career. No time to waste, let's get into it. We're going to start with the guaranteed rate bowl UNLV taking on Kansas. Our first bowl game to go over takes us to Phoenix with the conference runner-ups taking on a resurgent Kansas squad. The Rebels got out in front on their first drive of the game, marching down the field and punching it in from three yards out with Vincent Davis Jr. The Jayhawks matched that later in the quarter with Jason Bean finding Luke Grimm for a six-yard score. UNLV looked like they were finding their rhythm offensively, but Jaden Maiava would get picked off by Kobe Bryant inside the red zone, leading to a 60-yard Jason Bean bomb to Luke Grimm to go up 14-7. The Rebels had another miscue right after with Jose Pisano missing his first field goal in over a month, which Kansas promptly flipped into another touchdown drive, this time with Jason Bean hitting Lawrence Arnold for the 15-yard touchdown. As if things couldn't get worse one play later, Jaden Maiava would throw another bad interception, once again giving the Jayhawks the ball on the wrong side of the field. Luckily, Jackson Turner came to the rescue and intercepted Jason Bean two plays later. With the half winding down, UNLV's defense still couldn't hold water as Kansas drove down the field with ease to score their fourth touchdown of the game on a one-yard run from Devin Neal. Now down by 21 points, things were looking bleak for the Rebel faithful, but they did scrape together a field goal as time expired, making the score 28-10 to going into the half. They got another break with Jason Bean making another mistake, this time with Cameron Oliver picking him off on the sideline three plays into the half. UNLV took full advantage with Jaden Maiava getting the ball to Shelton Z on the third for a five-yard touchdown. The Rebels kept the pressure on, forcing a three and out and only taking one play to get back into the end zone, with Jaden Maiava going to his X-Factor and Ricky White for a huge 37-yard score to make it 28-24. Jason Bean had one more bad throw in him as he was once again picked off by Cameron Oliver inside Jayhawk territory, but luckily for the KU faithful, their defense woke back up with Kobe Bryant getting a huge sack to make sure that UNLV got nothing out of their takeaway. After a perfect punt put Kansas on the one-yard line, they regained their first half form, driving down the field, chewing up clock before they opened the fourth quarter with a 40-yard touchdown pass to Lawrence Arnold on fourth and one. The Rebels were able to respond quickly with Jacob DeJesus taking a reverse 11 yards into the end zone to make the score back to one possession, 35-30 with 12 minutes to go, but they needed their defense to step up as well, which they simply did not. Two plays later, Jason Bean found Lawrence Arnold for the third time going 56 yards to the house and pushing their lead up to 12. That was about it for UNLV's comeback chances as they turned it over on down shortly thereafter, leading to Jason Bean's sixth touchdown pass of the day. The Rebels had one more strike left in them with Jaden Maiava finding Seneca McKee deep for a 50-yard touchdown, but the Jayhawks would run the clock out from there. Despite a historic season overall for Barry Odom and UNLV, they still finished on a three-game losing streak with all three arguably being their most important game in recent history. It doesn't change what they accomplished, but they certainly left some hardware on the table. Jaden Maiava, who we have some news on later in the show, had a pretty solid day, but did 
did have the two costly interceptions. Other than that, he went 24 of 35, 291 passing yards and three touchdowns. Jacob DeJesus had a nice day, 40 rushing yards and a touchdown and eight catches for 95 receiving yards. Ricky White had a solid day of seven catches, 97 receiving yards and a touchdown. Seneca McKee had a good day with four catches, 78 receiving yards and a touchdown. Defensively, Jonathan Baldwin led the way with 11 tackles and a deflection. Cameron Oliver had an incredible game with five tackles and two interceptions in quick succession. And Jackson Turner had three tackles and a pick. The guys that really hurt them on the Kansas side, of course, Jason Bean coming in for the injured Jalen Daniels, 19 of 28, 449 passing yards, six touchdowns, three interceptions, and two receivers that absolutely dominated. Luke Grimm had four catches, 160 receiving yards, and three touchdowns. And Lawrence Arnold had six catches, 132 receiving yards, and three touchdowns. Next, we have the Barstool Sports Arizona Bowl in Tucson. We have Wyoming taking on Toledo. Cowboys entering as three-point favorites. Our final bowl game of the year feels really weird to be saying that. Takes us across the state to Tucson. This game was a defensive battle from start to finish. The Cowboys got on the board first with a 13-play drive that ended with a field goal. Toledo looked to be on their way to matching it, but Isaac White would intercept Tucker Gleason on an arm punt in Wyoming territory to shut that down. Starting from their own one-yard line, the Cowboys fought all the way back into field goal range, hitting a second one to improve their lead to six to nothing. Toledo would get their first points of the game on, you guessed it, a field goal, but after getting a stop on defense, Rockets running back Jacquez Stewart would take the first play of the drive 80 yards to the crib, immediately putting Toledo up 10 to six. That score would hold into halftime, and after the half opened with a punt from each team, we got our first safety of the bowl season with Andrew Peasley getting strip sacked in the end zone, which was recovered by a Cowboy lineman to make it 12 to six. The Rockets capitalized on their good fortune, hitting another short field goal to make it a nine point deficit for Wyoming. Entering the fourth quarter down two possessions, time was running out for Craig Bull and the Cowpokes, especially after they punted the ball away again, but their defense forced a three and out to give them a chance. Wyoming embarked on their first successful drive of the second half with Andrew Peasley getting them down to the seven yard line before being knocked out with a rib injury and backup quarterback Evan Sboda picked up the last few yards to get the Cowboys their first touchdown of the night. Down 15-13 with eight minutes left. This was now officially a game. Toledo converted on two third downs getting into Wyoming territory, but they couldn't muster anything else and punted it away with four minutes to go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Craig Bowl Masterclass. Andrew Peasley came back in for one play, a 26-yard strike to Ayer Asante before again leaving the game from the earlier hit to the ribs. The Cowboys got into field goal range thanks to a 16-yard catch from Wyatt Whelan plus an unnecessary roughness penalty. Craig Bull had no plans to give the football back and after forcing Toledo to use their remaining timeouts, they had the option of taking a knee and the field goal, leaving the Rockets with 30 seconds and no timeouts or trying to pick up the first down. Bull chose the latter with Evan Sabota scampering for the first down, but not before a Toledo defender punched the ball out. The season hung in the balance as the ball headed towards the turf and the football gods bounced the ball to the left straight out of bounds. After a little more clock management, John Hoyland lined up for a potential game winner from 24 yards out with one second left and drilled it. Wyoming trailed for the final 35 minutes of play, but led 16 to 15 when the buzzer sounded. Craig Bull gets a storybook ending to his career as he wins his fourth bowl game and secures the Cowboys' best season since 1990.
1996. The future may be uncertain in Laramie, but that can't take away from how far Craig Bowl has taken this program. Andrew Peasley, although he got knocked out late, had his usual efficient, gutsy performance. 20 of 25, 168 passing yards and a fumble. In relief for Peasley, Evan Sabota had quite the day with 16 passing yards, 26 rushing yards. Big stats, I know, but that touchdown was very important. Their only one of the game. Harrison Whaley had a great day with 18 carries and 91 rushing yards. Also had a fumble. Wyatt Wheeland was their leading receiver with five catches for 55 receiving yards. Defensively, Shea Suianoa led the way for them with five tackles. Easton Gibbs had three tackles and two deflections. Isaac White had a tackle and an interception. And we have to mention John Hoyland, who went three for three on field goals, including a 34-yarder, a 52-yarder, and the 24-yard game winner. Now for our final Hikes Peak Weekly MVP of the year. Fittingly, the final weekly MVP of the year was the hardest to decide. We're going with UNLV corner Cameron Oliver. Come on down, Cam. I know you would have preferred to win the guaranteed rate bowl, but hopefully this is a nice constellation. Oliver finished the game with five tackles and two pivotal interceptions in the third quarter that kept his team in the game. A heck of a performance from a heck of a player. Congrats, Cameron. Now let's see what's going on in the transfer portal this week. We're going to start with the players entering the portal most notable first, and that would have to be with UNLV quarterback Jaden Maiava officially entering the portal. There was a report a couple weeks ago that said he was entering the portal, and that was never confirmed, and I was assuming that meant he was staying, but after the bowl game, he has officially announced his departure. That now makes three straight Mountain West freshmen of the year that have entered the transfer portal. UNLV also lost edge rusher Xavier Carter to the portal. Air Force has their first major departure of the offseason with star wingback John Lee Eldridge III entering the portal. Nevada running back and wide receiver Jamal Bell is entering the portal as well. And finally, San Jose State wide receiver Charles Ross entered the portal. A couple of names withdrawing from the portal, most notably Hawaii quarterback Braden Shager is coming back to Honolulu. It is an absolutely massive deal because he is one of the best quarterbacks in the Mountain West. He's only a sophomore and I was expecting him to land somewhere in the Big 12, but Timmy Chang convinces him to come back and now Hawaii looks primed to make a bowl game next year. New Mexico gets two guys to come back. Tavion Combs, a very talented safety who's been very good for them and running back Andrew Henry. And lastly, with commitments, Fresno State starting tight end Trey Watson committed to Washington who just won a thriller to get into the national championship against Texas. San Diego State adds three new Power 5 transfers and Utah State adds two new Power 5 transfers. Now let's move on to our season notes where we spotlight the players on UNLV and Wyoming that made their season a reality. Starting with the Rebels, the out-of-nowhere season for UNLV has to start with Jaden Maiava. Yes, I get it, he's transferring, so this may feel like salt in the wound, but his year needs to be recognized. Maiava threw for 17 touchdowns and 3,085 yards, which is third most in school history. Another big reason for UNLV's breakout, the go-go offense. The motion and run-heavy offense gave opposing coaches fits all year, and it didn't help that the Rebels had three awesome running backs to unleash. Pitt transfer Vincent Davis Jr. was their leading rusher with 760 yards and seven scores. William and Mary transferred Donovan Lester ran for 455 yards and nine touchdowns. But most importantly for the future, true freshman Jet Thomas exploded onto the scene with 503 yards and 12 touchdowns, the fifth most in school history. No player in the Mountain West looked more NFL ready this year than Ricky White. After breaking out last year following 
following his transfer from Michigan State. White had a season for the ages. He tied a school record with 88 catches, set a school record, and led the conference with 1,483 yards and caught nine touchdowns, which ties for fifth in the Mountain West. Jacob DeJesus also deserves some recognition as the all-purpose weapon had 60 catches, over 600 receiving yards, three touchdowns, and over 1,000 return yards, earning him an All-American nod as a return specialist. Defensively, it all starts with Jackson Woodard. He came to the strip from Arkansas to follow Barry Odom and broke out in his first year as linebacker number one. He finished the year with 117 tackles, good for second in the Mountain West, nine tackles for loss, and two and a half sacks. Sophomore Marcel McDuffie also had a great year with 91 tackles. The Rebels' safeties played a huge role in their team's success. Veteran Jonathan Baldwin was fantastic, tallying 77 tackles, two interceptions, and five deflections, while Arizona transfer Jackson Turner delivered an all-conference caliber season with 62 tackles, three tackles for loss, five interceptions, which tied for the most in the Mountain West, and two forced fumbles. The same praise applies to UNLV's corners. Juco transfer Jet Elad was one of the top nickels in the conference with 57 tackles and six deflections. Cameron Oliver made a ton of big plays this year with 53 tackles, four and a half tackles for loss, five interceptions, which tied for the lead with his buddy Jackson, and two forced fumbles. Last but certainly not least, Missouri State transfer kicker Jose Pizano was nothing short of a game changer. He was perfect on extra points and went 26 of 29 on field goals. That's easily the school record for field goals made in a season, and his 89.7% clip puts him at third in school history. He also had two game winners against Vanderbilt and Colorado State. For his efforts, Pizano was one of the three finalists for the Lou Groza Award given to the best kicker in the country, but he lost out on that. Don't blame me, I voted for him. No matter how the year ended, Barry Odom needed just one year to turn this program into a winner. Not only is nine wins more than the last three seasons combined, which they had seven, this was also their first winning season and bowl appearance since 2013, and most importantly, their most wins in a season in 39 years. Now for Wyoming, while the Cowboys quarterback may have not been their most talented player, he was certainly their most important. Andrew Peasley always came up clutch, throwing for nearly 2,000 yards and 20 touchdowns, tied for fourth in the conference. He also continued to be a threat on the ground, finishing the year with 419 yards and seven touchdowns. When presumed starting running back DeWyan McNeely tore his ACL in training camp, the once potent looking backfield for Wyoming was now a concern. They were able to tread water and survived until NIU transfer Harrison Whaley got back to full strength. In just 10 games, Whaley accounted for 164 carries and 947 yards, both good for sixth in the Mountain West, along with five touchdowns. On the other side of the ball, preseason defensive player of the year, Easton Gibbs, was as advertised. The future NFL player finished fourth in the conference with 109 tackles, along with two sacks, six deflections, and two forced fumbles. His running mate, Shea Suianoa, also had a standout season with 93 tackles, which ties for ninth in the conference, and five and a half tackles for loss. While multiple safeties made contributions this year, Austin Eckler's brother Wyatt was a true pillar of this defense. He had 77 tackles, five and a half tackles for loss, two interceptions, seven deflections, and two forced fumbles. Wyoming's defensive line looked dominant on paper. They weren't as impactful as I thought they would be, but they still had a heck of a year overall. Jordan Bertignoli continues to look like their defensive tackle of the future, racking up 60 tackles, five and a half tackles for loss, and two sacks. Sophomore Sebastian Harsh made a name for himself, finishing the 
the year with 50 tackles, three sacks, and nine tackles for loss, tying him for ninth in the conference. Devon Harris and Braden Siders, both edge rushers who were expected to have big years, ended the year with four sacks apiece. The Cowboys' corners were possibly the least proven group, but this is simply not the case anymore. A bunch of players stepped up to the plate. Eastern Washington transfer Rook Brown locked down the nickel, compiling 47 tackles, three interceptions, and four deflections. Ja'Cory Hawkins balled out with 41 tackles, eight deflections, which is tied for sixth in the Mountain West, an interception, and a very important touchdown after a blocked field goal against Appalachian State. Tyreekus Davis emerged as a playmaker as well, finishing the year with an interception and seven deflections. What Craig Bull has done for Wyoming is remarkable. He took over a middling team a decade ago, and now they're cemented as one of the top teams in the conference. Nine wins this year is the most since 1996. They currently have the longest bowl streak in school history with three straight. And from a step further back, 23 wins in the last three years is their most since they won 25 from 1996 to 1998. And finally, with Wyoming showrunner Craig Bull retiring, let's take a look back at his career, everywhere he's been, and everything he's accomplished. Born and raised in Lincoln, Nebraska, Bull played for the Cornhuskers as a player before joining their coaching staff for three years. He then began his ascent up the coaching ranks with stops at North Dakota State, Tulsa, Wisconsin, Rice, and Duke before returning to his alma mater, Nebraska, and his mentor, Tom Osborne. Bull spent eight years in his second stay in Lincoln. He was a part of Osborne's final two national championships in 1995 and 1997, and would be the Cornhuskers defensive coordinator from 2000 to 2002, including the sixth best defense in the country in 2001. During his tenure, 22 Nebraska defensive players went on to play in the NFL. 2003 would be Craig Bull's first chance to run his own program, becoming North Dakota State's 29th head coach. The Bison had been a perennial powerhouse at the Division II level, winning eight national titles before moving up to Division I AA, now known as the FCS, in 2004. Bull wasted no time in Fargo, finishing ranked in the top 25 in three of his first four seasons, including a great West Conference championship in 2006. There was a bit of a lull from 2008 to 2010, but then they put it all together. The Bison went 14-1 on their way to their first ever FCS title, led by a defense that only gave up 27 points across four playoff games. Bull added a second straight title in 2012 and had his magnum opus in his final year in Fargo, leading his team to a 15-0 record and their third straight national championship. This put the Bison alone at the top with Appalachian State as the only programs to ever win three straight titles. At this point, with his coaching prowess on full display, Wyoming made him their 29th head coach. What are the odds of back-to-back jobs where you're the 29th head coach ever? North Dakota State would be fine without him, as future Kansas State coach Chris Kleinman would take over and successfully get the Bison two more straight national championships, creating what is likely an unbreakable record with five straight national titles. Bull left Fargo as their all-time winningest coach in program history. Since reaching their pinnacle in the mid-90s, Wyoming had only made three bowl games over the last 14 seasons. Craig Bull had a full rebuild to go through in Laramie, with the Cowboys going just 6-18 and 18 in his first two seasons, but they quickly turned the corner. If you don't count 2020, Bull wouldn't finish under 500 ever again. Wyoming won 30 games over the next four seasons, including two straight bowl wins in 2017 and 2019. That was their most prolific stretch since, you guessed it, the glory days from 1996 to 1999. After 2020, Bull led the Cowboys to three straight bowl games, winning two 
two of them before officially calling it a career. 15 players have him to thank for getting it into the NFL, including familiar names like Josh Allen, Logan Wilson, Chase Roulier, Marcus Epps, Chad Muma, and Carl Granderson. Bull also left his own statistical legacy, exiting Wyoming as their program leader in years coached and wins, as well as making three times as many bowl games as any other coach and winning four times as many bowls. Craig Bull leaves a legacy of consistency, toughness, and defensive genius. Molded from the teachings of Tom Osborne, he used what he learned at Lincoln to resurrect two Northwest programs and take them to new heights. After 165 wins, three national championships, four bowl wins, and 42 years of non-stop coaching, Coach Bull rides off into the sunset. When he was asked what his plans were to celebrate his career after the win in the Arizona Bowl, his answer was, quote, more than a few Manhattans. Those are incredibly well-deserved, Coach. I had the opportunity to interview Coach Bull at Media Days this year, and he was friendly, honest, and open. I wish I got to interact more with him before he called it a career, because saying he knows everything about football would be an understatement. Congrats on an amazing career, Coach, and I wish you all the relaxation and Manhattans you can handle in retirement. That's it for this episode of the Hikes Peak Podcast. Thank you so much for coming back to the mountain. Make sure to make the trek back here next Tuesday for another brand new episode where we'll take a deep dive into the season stat leaders for this season. If you enjoyed the episode, rate the show five stars on whatever platform you're listening on or leave us a review on iTunes. Nothing helps the show out more than that, so any ratings would be greatly appreciated. Follow us on Twitter at MWC Connection and find all of your Mountain West news at MWCConnection.com. Thank you again for listening. This season has been a grind, but it's been well worth it. Thank you all for everything. Until next time, I'm Jack Thompson. Enjoy your life.